This is the Douglas Robin Show. Welcome to Douglas Robin's Den of Discussion. Today we're speaking with author and educator Carl Beckstrand. Welcome, Carl. Hey, thanks for having me, Douglas. How are you doing today? Doing great. Good, good. So let me ask you, man, you, you have, you're coming out with your 28th book. That's very impressive. Yeah, I've been writing for a couple decades. So yeah, it's fun. And what is your 28th book about? So it's actually a pair of books in a series. I've done um, one novel and the rest are mostly juvenile books, picture books. So I have a series of picture books on immigrant children and, and volumes two, excuse me, volumes three and four will be out by June. So I, I was looking at your, your site, Premio Books. It seems like you have a, a kind of a group involved in Premio Books and you mentioned that you write multicultural books. Uh, mm -hmm. And it seems that, and I see that you know, you're obviously an educator. Uh, a lot of the book subjects, polar bears, the stars, the earth isn't flat, you know, sleeping and cooking and all these things that really the whole landscape of a child, are you, is the point of it, you know, all the books to be educating where sort of school might be failing a bit or? Yeah, I, um, when I was a kid, I didn't like to read and I certainly didn't like to write. Um, but it's because for years, a lot of the books that I was exposed to were boring school books. Right. And um, once I got my hands on a book that um, transported me, you know, was fun and entertaining, then I was hooked. And so I just like to, um, number one, entertain. But number two, yeah, I always want to have the child... Uh, walk away with more information in their head. And if it's, if it's entertaining, they don't even know they're learning. Right. Right. Yeah. Funny. I was not an avid reader either. When I was a kid, I was fascinated by things, but it always seemed uh, many of the books, like you're saying, very just heavy handed and um, more of an obligation than a joy. Uh, right. Perhaps that's how they were presented more back then. Uh, until I found this one book, The Island of the Blue Dolphins. Ah. And I was just in love with the book, read it over and over again. Um, so it seems like, you know, in, in the country, there's a lot of conversation really about the education system. And, you know, what are we really showing kids how to navigate the world as adults? You know, they're not learning about cooking or, or about, uh, uh, you know, uh, Debt money. or, or yeah. finances and it seems like you're trying to sort of address those topics in, in many ways yeah um i have a book called the bridge of the golden wood a parable on how to earn a living yeah. and it's just a simple tale folk tale about an, a little boy who um is near a stream and an old woman says these fish are trapped can you help them and he just does a nice deed but he finds a way to um, get compensated by helping. And so I just wanted to show kids that, you know, if you look for needs, you'll see opportunities that can often pay off. You know, so much of what we're taught when young is sort of that individualistic 
get yours before someone else gets their, theirs. Um, you know, to go back to the, in education, we're not really taught so much about community and charitable works and doing good things. It's often about, well, what do you want? Well, you want the cars, you want the house that, you know, the sort of the material things, right. but that's not the deeper part of our characters that satisfy us ultimately. Uh, and so I'm glad you're writing that because, you know, we're all trying to move forward. And, and I think it's time these antiquated systems uh, or institutions move forward as well. Sure. Yeah, we certainly have a lot of room for growth. <laughs> Just a bit. Um, so let me ask you, so are your, your biggest audiences just sort of like families or kids buying your books online or something? Or I know you're an educator, so are you going to schools and speaking? I have done a lot of that. Um, less since COVID. Yeah. Um, but my actually, my target audience isn't children. I don't know if you've had the experience of reading a book to a child and being bored out of your mind. Right. But um, my target audience is teachers, librarians, and parents, because they're the ones who are going to buy the books. Yeah. And so I always try to have um, something in the books that will entertain them so that they won't be dying of boredom, because that's the worst torture. When it's a romantic right. book, you know. I think that's what you know. People became more aware of with even movies and a lot of things that are kid-oriented. There, there's enough in there for say Disney movies and whatnot for adults that many adults love going to those movies or reading those books. Um, yeah. You know, Harry Potter was more of a, a kids' book, but my goodness, everybody loves Harry Potter. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no age limit for it. Right. Everybody loves a good story. Everybody loves a good story. And who doesn't like uh, wizards? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Carl, if you want to read a, a, a passage from your book, Grow, um, and maybe you introduce it as well. Sure. It's a very simple picture book. It's called Grow, How We Get Food from Our Garden. And um, it's just exposing children to some basic concepts of where food comes from you know because a lot of kids might think it comes from the grocery store right right oh so, yeah i just um it's it's a lot of poetry but um it starts out outside my window i see green leaves and light days like today make me smile i love to work in my garden and then it goes to um, till and turn hack and hoe plow and plant mulch and mow uh January to June, harrow and weed. April to August, water and feed. Sow by row, graft and grow. And then I'll just jump a little bit. And it has great illustrations. The artist is uh, Zanara, she's from the UK. And um, just great illustrations that are simple and help kids understand what's going on. My favorite quote is, rocks in my pockets, soil in my hair, mud in my nails, dirt everywhere. So, and then it shows all the foods that come out in the harvest. Yeah, that, that's fun. I, I, I like that. And great imagery. And, and again, like, you know, kids don't, I mean, for the most part, kids just, they want to get dirty. They want to get in there, yeah. uh, not worry about their clothes and, you know, really want to kind of get in there and play in the, in the soil. Um, I'm curious, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you would know better than I. So Dr. Seuss, right? Mm -hmm. began all these rhyming books yeah and i'm curious if that was 
I guess that it must have been with, with old Mother Hubbard and all, all those books, you know, books that were, were rhyming or poetry right. that were actually kids' books or children books. Yeah, there's been some debate. I think there are people out there who think um, rhyming books are are boring or passe, old-fashioned. But I, at least when I was growing up, I found that that really helped me learn words and yeah. um, really helps with not just vocabulary, but with um, how you put sentences together and things like that. So not all my books rhyme, but some do. Yeah, but the, the, it's nice because there's a rhythm, there's a, there's a musicality to it. Sure. Helps them to be remembered, I hope. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think because of the rhyming, um, you know, it, it has that imagery. The imagery sticks a little, little better and a little clearer. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> so you're also, uh, besides a writer, you're also a media professor at a state college. What on earth does a media professor yeah. do? Or what does that mean exactly? So I've taught journalism at a local university. And currently I teach um, digital media at a trade tech college. So digital media is photography, video, audio, animation. We use a lot of the Adobe Creative Suite. And this is what you're you're teaching to students, and as a from a journalistic point of view. So, um, when I taught journalism, I did go into photojournalism a little bit. Now that I'm doing just digital media, it's all you know the it's all digital now. It's all um, yeah the the graphics, logos, web design, um, anything that has to do with audio, video, things like that. And, and I'd imagine, you know, for maybe someone going into college that this is a, a rapidly growing field. Yeah, I mean, it's a very popular class. And, and there's always gonna, there's always going to be need for designers. Yeah. As writers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Always pursuing a good, good book designers. So let me ask you, when we first were introducing our, ourselves to each other, you had written me that that you you're an expert in contrasting traditional with self digital uh, and self publishing and sharing insights and how to get a story out to the world. Well, as a writer, I'm always curious uh, on how to get more exposure, discoverability, because that's the hardest part of writing. I mean, you write and it's a, a huge challenge in itself. And then you have the marketing, the yeah. other aspect. One is very personal and intimate uh, and isolated. And then the other is, okay, world now, check me out. But that's one of the big uh, challenges, obviously, is that bridge from point A to point B. Yeah, that's the, the real work. <laughs> you think that you're sweating blood when you're writing, but the real work is the marketing. Right. And even if, you have a, even if you have a traditional huge uh, publisher, one of the big publishing houses, they'll still want you to do a lion's share of the marketing because you're the best spokesman for your book. Right. So what um, would you suggest? So I've... I've published both ways. I've worked with two publishers and then the rest of my books I've done myself. Um, my early experiences were painful. <laughs> my very first publisher died the day we printed my first book. Oh my goodness. Just to go to print. Yeah. So, um, and he was a small publishing well, house. Well, your book didn't kill him. No, he actually died of food poisoning, but it was unexpected for all of us. Oh, wow. It was a shock. But I had to, um, I had to, 
it was actually good for me because I learned, I learned the industry. I had to reach out to his contacts and make sure that things were still being done right and had to figure out, um, you know, shipping and all these details, you know, in publishing. And that's what eventually got me to be a publisher is all that I learned from that. But um, it used to be that the, the big publishers had control and prestige and you wanted that, you wanted what they offered. But now anybody has access to the big distributors. Anybody um, can, of course, handle their marketing. And, and it's nice to be able to control your own content, it's to, be, to be able to control the money for sure. And so now when I speak on publishing, I, I'm biased. I, I tell people, you know, I've worked with publishers. It's easier to do it yourself. Well, you know, the amazing thing, obviously, is if you're trying to do traditional, and that's fine, <clears throat> you know, they're the gatekeepers, the agents, the publishers, they're the gatekeepers. Right. And you, you bust your butt to, to write something, and then it's a sort of hurry up and wait, and hurry up and wait for perhaps <laughs> a long time. Yep. And the alternative is the self-publishing. And like I said, you have to do a lot of the legwork anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but again, so if someone's going to say publish through CreateSpace or Amazon or KDP or, or um, right. uh, Ingram, I don't remember the, yeah. like, what would you say? Okay, you now have your, your paperback and you also have an ebook. What What would Carl do if you could give some nuts and bolts of, what would Carl do to get his book out there? Email sure. list? Would, would you use social media? Would you do some, try to do some publicity or just run some ads? What, what, what kind of steps would you take? Well, you've, you've given the basics already. Yeah. Ingram is ideal for hardcover print on demand. Um, Amazon's KDP is great for soft cover um, and Kindle, of course. And then I use another service for eBooks, um, smashwords.com and they right. will get your book to all the major um, ebook platforms and all of these services. Well, Ingram charges a small fee, but these getting your book uploaded is free. You don't have to pay for that. What you want to pay for is editing beforehand and making sure that your cover sure. design is outstanding. Um, but then, yeah, for marketing, uh, you want to have reviews. So you want to reach out to anybody and everybody um, to comment on your book. And then, um, yeah, social media, emailing. Um, I have vast lists of librarians and educators that I email regularly. And then, uh, yeah, press releases can get you free publicity. So those are the basics. Reviews uh, are, the, are most important for sales. I see reviews and sales tied together tightly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot of legwork in, in uh, doing all that. And, and you know, it doesn't leave a lot of time for the writing itself. Yeah. Um, but a necessary evil, obviously, if you're trying to make it as a, uh, a writer and, and a successful one. Yeah, and I can give you an example of why it's so important to do the marketing, even if you have a big publisher. I have a, I've been in uh, several authors groups and clubs, and one of the best writers I've ever known, um, her name is Connie Walker, and she has a fantasy series, and she's beyond outstanding and yet she's she's terrible at marketing she's not motivated she's got health issues and so these gems of of fantasy books are sitting there on amazon hardly touched because of the lack of marketing and so yes it is a lot of work to write but you have to prepare and plan to do a lot of work on the other side as well you just got to do it yeah 
it, it sort of runs counter to most writers because most writers in certain ways, obviously they're introverts to whatever degree. Mm -hmm. um, and writing is a very intimate process. And then, and then the opposite, you know, really trying to, to beat down people's doors um, and say, hey, pay attention, look at this over here. And uh, it's quite unnatural. It's unnatural for me in certain ways to do that, but it is a necessary evil, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you've always heard of the, the author that did almost no publicity and word of mouth and they just got famous. And that still may happen once in a while, but that's not the norm. So yeah, people can't buy your book if they don't know it exists. Absolutely, and the word of mouth obviously is still key, but when there's millions of books you're, you're competing against, uh, it's hard to get that word of mouth even uh, out there at all. So Carl, I just wanted to double, uh, double back on something uh, regarding grow and the eating uh, uh -huh. from our gardens and, and from the earth. And you know, I think it's so crucial that awareness you know, of eating, we're, we're trying to eat a lot better here, less meat and, you know, more, more whole foods and um, less processed foods, you know, I guess the less hands that touch it, you know, et cetera, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but there's so much, as you were saying, like kids think, well, food is from the supermarket, right? right? And I think a lot of people are just so disconnected from the food, you know, let me shove a burger in my face or eat a steak or whatever it is without in a sense, being involved in that process. Right. Um, and there really is such a disconnection between that cow on the farm and me shoving a burger in my face. Right. Without earning the burger, if you will, you know, without having, you know, not. And I wonder if how many people actually had to slaughter cows or pigs if they would eat them still or yeah. if they would do that. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. I, um, the book is doing, it's, it's all of a sudden my bestseller. I've had one book, um, one of my first books that has been traditionally my bestseller for years, but this Grow book has just taken off. In fact, the Georgia Farm Bureau bought it for um, education purposes. Oh, no kidding. Okay. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, so I think the concept is, it's timely that um, people are hopefully getting back to um, being able to provide for themselves as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously a lot of sickness and illness because of uh, the foods we consume. So, yeah. And the, those habits obviously start early on in life. Yep. All right, Carl. Well, do you have anything else you would like, um, you know, to add or, or share with our listeners? Sure. Um, I have a series. Uh, well, I mentioned the series on um, child immigrants. It's called Young American Immigrants. But I also have a series of bilingual picture books. So they help teach Spanish um, or English, depending on your native language. And they have a pronunciation guide for both languages at the beginning of each book. And they're um, little mysteries, picture books. They're simple, but they have um, a focus. Like one focuses on opposites, one on colors, careers, one on um, interrogatives, you know, question words. And those have been really popular um, in libraries and schools, just helping kids learn Spanish or English. Well, that's excellent. That sounds like a great series. Yeah, and it's fun to, to involve other cultures, not only as the characters in the, in the stories, but um, a lot of my illustrators are from other countries. I have illustrators from Spain and Israel and the UK. It's fun. 
Nice. Well, it sounds like you're doing good in the world. Well, it's, uh, it's work, but it's something I love. Right. Yep, I understand. I understand. Well, Carl, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And you can find, excuse me, Carl Beckstrand at premiobooks.com. I assume people can also find you on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Right. It's Carl with a K Beckstrand. Okay. Well, a pleasure, sir. And you have a great day. Thank you, Douglas. Thanks, Carl. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Douglas Robbins Show. To find out more about Douglas and his books, check out douglasrobbinsauthor.com.